We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I am so glad that you have joined us this time out. And I don't know how you found us, but I am glad that you have. And I encourage you guys to subscribe, like, and comment on any of the platforms in which you find the podcast. And however you're listening, I hope you subscribe, like, and tell your friends all about it. So uh, that's important to the success of the show. So thank you so much for that. This time out, we have a great, great show for you. We have a an emerging member of the special teams unit, veteran sports journalist, sports writer, uh, Terrence Harris will join us for an edition of Shame, 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 a Charger to the Game, where we'll get into some fun discussions about things in and around the world of sports. And in the second half, we will hear from veteran sports journalist Butch Alsander, formerly the sports director at KHOU here in Houston. In addition to that, he currently does work in studio for the Rockets and the Astros pregame and postgame. And then he also does some college football. He does stuff with the swag and with other college football leagues around the country. So we'll get into all of those things. And, of course, we have a Lamont Award. And, of course, that goes to the big dummy of the episode. But before we get started with all of that, I want to remind you guys, you can go to the wadeswordproductions.com website for all things D-Wade. That's wadeswordproductions.com. And subscribe to the email list. And occasionally you'll get emails from us keeping you abreast of what we have going on. In addition to that, the sports line is open 24 hours a day, 832-941-6614. That way you can have your voice heard. You can leave us a message and we'll try to incorporate that into the uh, next podcast. So 832-941-6614. Just leave a message and we will, if it's a question, if it's a comment, whatever it is, we will try to get you involved in the next podcast. Also on social media, at Wade's Word on Twitter and D-Wade909 on Instagram and, of course, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group and page on Facebook. Now, with that, let's not waste a lot of time. Let's get right into it with a few headlines. In headlines, uh, more of the same as it pertains to COVID-19, the coronavirus, as we've seen more facilities closed down. We've seen more players test positive. We've seen seven players in the WNBA test positive out of 137 tests. We've seen NASCAR Jimmy Johnson test positive. He couldn't race yesterday at Indy, the NASCAR race at Indianapolis. In addition to that, facilities have been closed down in the NBA. We've seen that happen in uh, major league baseball as both the Astros and the Nationals have closed their facilities so a lot of more of what we've been seeing as we still get closer and closer to what we think will be starts uh, at least starts I don't know about finishes but we'll see starts in these different leagues uh, we'll have to continue to monitor that but it seems like people are moving forward teams and players are starting to report to the bubble in Orlando for the NBA and again a lot of decisions will be made here a lot of initial decisions will be rethought 
And I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be really, really tough. But we'll talk about those things with both Terrence Harris and Butch Allsander. But again, uh, with 4th of July, <laughs> just this thing is going to continue for at least uh, another month, I suspect. I hope. I mean, look, if you uh, watch uh, social media and you see these large gatherings of folks who are not social distancing and just partying it up like nothing is going on, you know that the numbers will continue to go up. Now we're learning more about the different strains. And in Houston, they said, well, there's a strain that's, that's even more contagious and easier to pass uh, than other strains. I mean, this is a nightmare. And I can't defend Texas other than if the, the I, well, I guess I understand why. Because you have a, a large portion of this state that belongs to the cult of personality that is Donald Trump, including the governor of the state of Texas, Greg Abbott. And they've made dumb mistakes and dumb decisions pertaining to this and if you don't if you have a president that won't hardly even acknowledge covid or say oh 99 of these cases are nothing then guess what guess what's gonna happen people are gonna blow it off because they are part of that bubble that is the, the fox news bubble so again it, it's ridiculous it's anti-intellectual it's so many things it just doesn't make sense and you have to do a deep psychological analysis of a lot of these folks who just are really beyond defiant but downright angry and viscerally upset sometimes to the point of violence over wearing a f-ing mask that's it <laughs> that's it and if that wasn't enough the commander-in-chief has invaded the world of sports not talking about resumption of sports and COVID or safety measures pertaining to that. Not about, oh, let's uh, continue to work towards fighting inequality and racism in sports. Instead, he goes after Bubba Wallace asking the rhetorical question, has Bubba Wallace apologized to the other drivers in NASCAR over the noose hoax? And I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he's saying. So he's not mad over the Russians putting a bounty out on U.S. soldiers. That's not what we we're talking about when he goes on Twitter. He's not talking about COVID and, oh, you know, we have to stop the spread. He's not talking about any of those things. He's talking about Bubba Wallace. This is what he's talking about. And it's really just, it ain't even a dog whistle at this point. It's, he is trumpeting his, his appeal or his calling out of the sort of the racist element of society. And at this point, just put on your sheet, man. Just go ahead and put the sheet on. Because again, and everybody knows what you're doing. You know, everybody can see it. So I'm not going to give it a whole lot of energy. It's horrible. And I think that, I mean, if you just put it, just frame it this way. Who would root against the unity of all types of people coming together to say that we all matter? Like, who who is the person that's against that? When you see the touching scene that took place in NASCAR when Richard Petty came to support his black driver, Bubba Wallace, and you saw every single driver and their teams walking behind Bubba Wallace in a show of unity, in a show of pro-humanity, in a show of really being true to what America's vision is supposed to be. When you, who, who is it? Like what person is seeing people come together for something positive and saying, Oh no, that's some like who, who is that person? Well, of course we know it is. And all that I will say is what I've continued to say. 
His confederate undergarments are showing. So I'm not going to give it a lot of energy. I know people will, but that's what he wants to do. He don't want you to think about the 130,000 people that have died. He w does not want you talking about the fact that the Russians put out a bounty against United States soldiers, and he has yet to address it in any way publicly. So he don't want you to talk, but, but Bubba Wallace, we'll, we'll, we'll get some eyeballs on this tweet. Well, and, and, and he succeeded, but again, who is against unity? Who is against people supporting the only black full-time black driver in NASCAR? When there was a noose, wasn't a hoax. It was real. A hoax is somebody putting the noose there for the purposes of eliciting a response. He didn't put the noose there. He didn't even report it. He didn't even see it. He saw it when we saw it in a portrait. It was the f uh, officials at NASCAR who, by the way, he went after the, them with the flag. Like, so who, who is defending at this point, who is defending the Confederate flag? Even Mississippi did away with the Confederate flag. But you are more offended than Mississippi? Okay. All right. I see you. I mean, we knew. It's no, it's no surprise. But I say all of that to say, look, that's going on. That will be going on. It'll be more of the same until November because that's what you do. You flail away and, and tap into a base and try to stir up our division. And, you know. It's working. <laughs> you see people fighting in Walmart over wearing the mask. So, yeah, it, it's working. It won't work, work, but it's working for now. Socially, uh, you will see discourse and, and anger and disputes and all those things. Anyway, nonetheless, it is time to bring in our guy, King T. Terrence Harris is in the building, and here is our conversation about uh, a number of things. King T is back again as promised, I've got King T. Terrence Harris is back in the building. Good afternoon. How are you? How are you holding up these days? I'm hanging, you know, just trying to, you know, stay low, stay out the way, and, uh, you know, try to stay safe. Keep us, keep us cool, man, without, without any problems. I mean, you know, but this is just a different time for all of us and just trying to, you know, figure it out. Yeah, it seems like we're getting closer. As it stands since the last time we visited, are you more confident that sports will take place or less confident? Here's what, I guess I'm more confident that sports are going to take place, but I'm not, I'm not real excited about it. I think that this is maybe not the best idea, given the seriousness of, of, of the situation we're in. And I just don't know that we need to add sports into the mix right now while we're trying to figure out how to, you know, keep people alive and keep people safe. And I just don't know that, you know, sports really is that important right now that it has to take place. I think that we need to take a step back on this, just like we're taking a step back on a lot of things, because I really think that this could be dangerous for not only the public, but these athletes and a lot of other, you know, infrastructure type people who will be forced into action, even though that's not probably the best thing for them. So I, I just think that sports is sort of putting their head in the sand on this one and, and, and just not really seeing the seriousness of the situation. couple things. Which which other sports do you think has the most chance to be successful? Basketball, the NBA, NFL, or Major League Baseball? Which, which one do you think has the best opportunity to, to go forward? I would say it would be baseball. Just because, I mean, you know, you don't have to, you know, it's not that type of, it's not a contact sport. And so I think that you might have a chance, the best chance there, if any. But then, you know, you have, uh, you have the Astros owners saying, I mean, you know, they need, they need to make money too. So they want people there, which then, you know, raises the danger level and makes it where you have to almost say just to some degree, 
hmm, maybe this isn't the best idea either. But I think of all of the sports, I just think football and basketball are asking for trouble. You know, the, the data, you know, and, and I think we're already seeing that. I mean, you know, you, it's just too close contact and it has to be. And you don't, the, the problem with this whole virus thing is that you don't have to have symptoms. You know, you don't have to be sick. You can feel good and, and be a carrier and, and, and pass this stuff along. So, you know, unless you can, you're telling me you're testing everybody every day. And I don't think anybody wants to go through that test every day. I just think that it's just too dangerous. And, and football, forget about it. I mean, there's just no way to keep people safe once these bodies start colliding. Man. And even the NBA bubble, it's, and theoretically it seems like it'll work. But, again, we've already seen a number of guys test positive. In addition to that, you know guys are going to step out. <laughs> and I said this a little bit earlier that, Guys have certain habits <laughs> they have, that they're going to want to indulge in, and I don't know how they're going to do that if they're secluded in a bubble. I mean, I don't know if they – are they going to have an NBA bubble weed, man? <laughs> like, I mean, it sounds crazy, and, you, know, you know. Women and the whole nine. I mean, you know, these, you know, let's be real. I mean, and so – and these, these guys, I, I think some of them aren't really – Looking at this, you know, like the full magnitude of it, and I think you'll see a lot of a lot of guys maybe go in and maybe pull out at some point too once they realize, you know, what what they're up against, and then once other guys start catching this, and then yeah, I mean, this bubble thing to me, I don't even see it as a I don't see it as a good idea unless I'm missing something. Well, I'm going to ask you don't don't give me all your answers on that one because I, I want to go into that a little bit later in one of our segments. But but let me shift gears here because I want you to elaborate on that just a little bit later on. Want to ask you as a media member, how do you think it'll affect your day to day job when you have to go in the locker rooms or and interview guys and be around? How do you think it will affect your individual gig as as it pertains to how you do your job as a sports journalist? Oh, I thought very seriously about this. And I can tell you right now, Devin, I mean, if, if going into anybody's locker room right now is not an option for me. Any of this crowd journalism stuff is not an option for me. I think that the best it's, it, 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 it won't give us the great the great storytelling ability that we we're, we're accustomed to having and like having. But I think right now the best thing that they can do is really do some type of Zoom type setup for all type of press availability. I don't want to be in the same room. I don't need to be in the same room with the athletes or the coaches or any of the, or any of them anymore. Or right now, I think until we get a better handle on this, I think the best thing to do is do all of your post game stuff via Zoom. I mean, we can ask our quite we can. We can stay right there in our seats, you know, fire up our laptops and, and ask our questions from right there uh, and get them answered. And, and I think it's, it's a, it'll be a safe environment for everybody. Once again, it's not the ideal situation. I would never tell anybody that because you don't get to move around the locker room like you normally do. Like, I know I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to, you know, while the crowd is over here, I'm going to go get the other guy that, that nobody's talking to right now and talk to him. Well, obviously, that's going to go away. You know, you got to kind of get what everybody else gets. But I think, you know, once again, it become it, now it's incumbent upon me to be a better, be become more analytical with, with my work, and that's how I stand out. That's how I make my difference and look different from from my other colleagues or, or, or other you know con- contemporaries in that room. So I got to do my job a little bit different. But I'm not going to be in a situation where I put myself and my family in harm's way by, you know, 
about being in a crowded situation, trying to get an interview with, with, with an athlete, not doing it. Right. And for me, um, because, you know, doing radio and not doing a daily show, I haven't been compelled to have to go into those locker rooms like I used to when I wrote. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's a little bit easy. Only thing uh, about some of it is you do get a chance, you know, when you're in that locker room, like you said, you get to pick up on different energies or you may see something or, I mean, there are little things you can pick up on. And like you said, you can go off in a corner and, and get a guy to give you a quote that he won't give you in front of eight reporters. If it's just you and him, especially if you have a rapport with some of the guys, then, you know, they, they're more likely to give you a, a, a more honest opinion as opposed to just the canned answer uh, that you'll get in, in these group things, which I, I think, again, I think that they'll implement, uh, and I think that'll be a part of it. I want to ask you this. Black Lives Matter, the movement uh, to fight racial injustice, all of those things are happening, and we're starting to see it trickle down to student-athletes. We have a, had a big uh, basketball player commit to Howard. He's like a the 17th best player in the country making a yeah. conscious effort to go to a HBCU, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, this past fall, I talked to Charles McClellan about this very uh, subject, and you know, and it was and it was interesting. You know, Charles is the, the SWAT commissioner, of course, and also the former TSU and Prairie View AD. You know, and I talked to him about this whole notion or idea of black athletes. You know, perhaps the star black athletes, you know, choosing HBCUs. And he thought, you know, it was it would be more realistic at the basketball at the basketball level, and he thought that it could it could happen easier and quicker because you know you don't need 22 great players, you know, you just need, I mean, they they might say five, but really just three. If you can get three five star recruits on your basketball team, you can do some damage. I mean, you can you can make it into the tournament. You can make a run. And in this in this day and age of one and done college basketball where every team is very flawed you can really make an impact and perhaps you know make it into the break it into the final four so it is doable uh you know and so you can see that happening i mean howard now in my mind they're just two four or five four or five uh, star recruits away from really being a, a, a legit threat to be a final four type team and you better believe when you get one to show up a couple more are coming behind them well, and that's the so, hope. That's the hope. And, and you yeah, know, it, it's, it's going to happen. But see, here, here's the, here's why I just don't see this being a widespread issue. And this is what people don't really understand behind the curtain. But it's it's all of the resources and and, and, and luxuries and amenities that these kids are afforded at these big time uh, college football and basketball programs. And the HBCUs just aren't there yet. I mean, you know, you. You know, th this kid is given a hit by choosing Howard over over uh, over UCLA. He's given up a lot of what he's become used to as one of the elite high school basket uh, high school basketball players, and a lot of what he's probably seen on his recruiting trips. So it's going to look a lot different at Howard. I mean, you know, in terms of just facilities and just all the other bells and whistles that that come with it. So. I think that that's why it's going to real. It's going to be hard to see this be a widespread thing unless these kids just all have get struck with a, a level of consciousness that we we just haven't seen before. But I mean, but it it, it would be hard to see this become widespread because look when you look at what Kentucky can offer a kid with UCLA and and and, and 
and Duke and all those other things. And I'm not even talking about academics. I'm just talking about pure, you know, just basketball lifestyle. Know, <laughs> yeah, lifestyle. You know, with what, what's what's appeasing to the eye. Right. And, and, you know, and we have these discussions all the time at KTSU. I mean, you want that to to happen, but it'll have to come from a level of consciousness and not just, okay, uh, because obviously you talk about the budgets at these schools, you mean in the the tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars um, for a lot of these individual programs. It's hard to compete with that. But at the same time, I I think this is where the responsibility of fans come in to pack these uh, places and give these kids, you know, if they choose to say, hey, we're going to play at these, we we need to sell out every night. You know, we, we need to make these games events and we need to to do our parts as fans, fans and alumni uh, to support this movement. So buying season tickets, coming out, showing up. And, and again, this yeah. is post pandemic. Um, but, you know, when all of these things are able to happen again, I think that that will enhance their experience, even if it's not the UCLA experience or the Kentucky experience. It's a unique, one-of-a-kind, energetic experience that only an HBCU uh, could provide. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how how it goes moving forward. Now, uh, I mentioned this to you off the air, but we are going to do something that that we haven't done in a while. You know, we used to do uh, a number of features with our regular guys, you know, special teams unit, as it were, and we're going to do an edition of... Shame, shame, shame. Shame, 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 shame. A charge to the game. But it's all in the game. And shame, 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 a charge to the game. What we essentially do is we I, I will give Terrence a, uh, a player team situation, and he'll tell me if it's a shame, 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 or just charge that to the game. Let's start with Cam Newton. Cam Newton has signed a one-year deal with the New England Patriots, only $550,000 in guaranteed money. It's incentive-laden, uh, but only a base salary of $550,000 for the season, where there's 36 players in the NFL that make more than that per game. Is that a shame, 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 or charge it to the game? You know, I have to say it's a charge it to the game. But it's all in the game. And, and the reason I say that is because a couple things are working against Cam, unfortunately, right now. is, And, and it, a, it has everything to do with what's made him a great player, ironically, is his, his, his rough, rugged style of play. I mean, you know, and how he, you know, he brings the, throughout his career, he's brought the pain to defenders. I mean, it's been hard, you know, on, on defenders to hit this guy. And, and, and I think he wears them out, but at the same time, it's taking a toll on his body, his age and everything else is kind of working against him. And I think those are some of the reasons why Cam is still sitting around here and some guys that, you know, have gotten jobs as, as quarterbacks in this league and, and, and I think, you know, over him it has made no sense whatsoever. But I think, you know, there's just a lot of you know questions about his his durability and, and his ability, you know. But if Cam is Cam as you know, if if he's if he's who he's who we believe he's gonna be, the Patriots are still gonna get a huge discount. But I mean I think he can still make about seven million dollars if he comes in and he's able to be Cam. Yeah, and then there's so many variables with those incentives, how many games they get in in the NFL season. And uh, like I said, the health is important. For me, I think it's a shame, 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 but I understand. It's a shame, but I I, I understand 
why? When you see some of the guys, like, you know, some of the free agent deals that some of these guys have gotten, I understand sort of why. Because, again, I think it's all tied to health. Uh, and I think that had had COVID not been in place, he could have gone around the country and met with people in person and had a chance to maybe throw some, you know, do some workouts so people could see that, yeah, he is back to being himself. And, and I think that would have uh, driven up the price for Cam. I also think, uh, like I said, the Patriots played this one great. They acted like, oh, no, they're not thinking about it. And then, you know, when the price was low and it was time, he made that phone call, Belichick and the uh, Patriots organization, and made it happen. So, But I, I think, you know, you would want him to get a, a better deal than the $550,000 in base salary, especially in this environment when you just don't know how much, how many games you'll get in. You know, I, you know yeah. and so and without knowing what those incentives are, you know, it'll be hard to know. Will there be an NFL playoffs? Will they play 10 games? We've already seen the NFL cancel two preseason games, and maybe that's an indication of more to come. And if that, if you play fewer games, obviously, it'll be harder to meet those incentives. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. But, you know, but here's the thing with, with a guy like Cam. I mean, you know, the more time off you give him, I think the better, you know, the better that is for him. So, really, that, that plays into his his – into what he needs to have happen because guess what? Next year, I think he can become a free agent again, you know, or they could, or they'd have to franchise him and they'd have to pay him the average, you know, of, of the top quarterback salaries, which would then put him in a, in a, in a situation where he can make up a lot of the money he lost this year. So Cam could also come out, you know, winning in this big time, too, if it all falls right. And I just think, you know, we've watched Cam so many times, Devin. I, I just think it's hard to it's hard to bet against him, man. I mean, I think that, that this guy will, will – he will outplay the contract that he's getting, that he's been given this year, but he will have earned a, a, a better deal. And I think he's going to earn it with the Patriots. I think that, you know, Belichick is going to understand, like, look, if I want to continue to win and win at, at, at a high rate like I've become accustomed to, I'm going to have to pay this guy. I'm going to have to ride him for a few more years while I find a quarterback, a groomer quarterback who can take over. But Cam is going to be that guy. You know, and, and I know, you know, and just personal side note on, on the Cam situation, his, his agent is actually a childhood best friend of mine. And, and while Carlos and I have not talked about this per se, I mean, but I know, I know Carlos, there, there's a, he he's too smart of a guy to to you know to let his guy go into a really bad deal. So there's definitely a rainbow at the end of this for for Cam. Trust me on that. Yeah, I hope so because you know I root for him because again, uh, I mean the guy is a dynamic young man. He 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 has some Texas ties. He went to Blend. So uh, uh, was it Blend? It was Blend, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know was, he was Jay, uh, Juco here in Texas. So yeah, we, before he went to Auburn. Uh, next up in shame, shame, shame. A charge to the game. The NBA. We touched on this a little bit. The NBA pressing forward despite the fact that twenty five of their players have tested positive for COVID. Is that a shame, shame, shame? A charge to the game. This is definitely a shame, shame, shame. Like I said, the NBA uh, really ought to get out. I mean, they need to do what's best for their players, and I think what's best for their players is, is just to to put this thing on hold until, you know, because I just don't believe in this bubble thing. And I believe that what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot more players, you know, once they show up in Orlando together because, as we all know, I mean, you know, we've, and we're all saying, 
these guys are not, you're not going to get these guys to all follow the rules and play that, you know, and, and do this thing as, as exactly it's supposed to go. They're going to get out. They're going to move around. Some of these guys are friends and they're on opposing teams. They're going to get together. I mean, you know, people are going to sneak into these hotels. I mean, so it's going to be a problem. But I think that the only thing that's going to help the NBA come to its, to its senses is you're going to need a guy like LeBron or somebody like that to come down with the COVID, which is unfortunate. But, you know, that's what it's going to take, I think, for them to realize that, hey, we need to rethink this. For me, I think it, this is a, a shame. But I think that, that it falls right in line with every other aspect of um, really moving the economy forward despite the fact that people are dying. And, and I cannot say this enough. Think about this. In about three, three and a half months, we literally have had 128,000 plus United States citizens die of this disease. And I mean, can you imagine? Think about this. We still talk about Pearl Harbor and 9-11, but this is something just so much different than this. I mean, you're talking about 120, and we're not even close to capping the amount of fatalities from this. And this is not even counting the people who are debilitated, who won't quite recover. They live through it, but maybe not recover to be what they were before this illness. And and the long-lasting effects of this disease, we, we still don't know that, and yet... There's such an urgency to push forward with the economy that human life is, you know, is a risk that that folks are willing to take. So in a general sense, it's a shame, shame, shame. But you know what? It's also consistent with what we know uh, of uh, the United States economy and capitalism and all of that. Hey, we push forward. And if you can't make it, you just get left behind. It's sort of that dog eat dog aspect that we don't glorify, talk about as much in in our society. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Finally, in shame, 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 a charge to the game. The Washington Redskins, now they are receiving pressure from their corporate partners, FedEx, sent them a letter. Uh, Nike took all of their uh, memorabilia, all their logo stuff down, and they're not listed on their website. So there's pressure coming, financial pressure coming from the Redskins to uh, the Washington Redskins to finally drop Redskins, which is long overdue. But instead of instantly succumbing to the pressure, like most organizations would have done already, Daniel Snyder, they are starting with a a deep review and a look into the name, the Redskins, before deciding how to move forward and if they'll move forward with a name change. Is that shame, 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 or charge it to the game? Shame. Shame. I mean, you know, because it's just silly. Daniel Snyder is right. He's posturing, but he already knows what he has to do. I mean, you know, like I said, They've been in his butt, you know, for years about this, and he's just dug his heels in and for no good reason. I mean, he could do something as simple as really this would, you know, allow him to move forward and it would back the people off. Just take take the red part off and call it skins. I mean, you know, you you got the the the, the, the Washington skins or whatever. I mean, and let's move forward, you know, but he won't do that because he's, He's so arrogant and so pompous, but at the same time, I mean, you know, if, you know, if he wants his organization to be as profitable as it as it should be and could be, you know, I mean, he has he he's going to have to deal now because you got Nike, you know, pulling out on, on on selling his apparel. You got FedEx, 
you know, whose stadium, you know, who has their name on the stadium that he plays in, you know, saying, hey, we, you know, we're stepping back as well. So, you know, finally the real pressure is being put on this man to make it make a change, and he is going to have to make a change, and it's going to have to be a sudden change. I mean, so I like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's the right thing to do, but, you know, him, him kind of dragging his feet, this is all more posturing by him just not wanting to, you know, seem like he just completely quickly caved. But at the end of the day, you know, you already know that conversation is being had. Yeah, well, like I said, I think it is a shame, shame, shame. But again, if you consistent with Daniel Snyder, you know, it's for that guy. He's doing. I mean, you charge the game when you have guys like that, that arrogant, rich, know it all. And, and just ignore what is the right thing to do. Uh, I think this is long, long overdue. This should have been done a long, long time ago. And most programs, most, I mean, all universities have done away with it. All local high schools have. And it's, you know, that's the last sort of remaining organization that really needs to look at making that change but yeah it, it's uh it's something else but with that hey man i want to thank you and uh, want to give you an opportunity uh what what else is on your plate what are you writing about these days in the defender well a, a lot of just you know you know how this is affecting life i mean you know um you know this, this week's story was really just taking a hard look at does this make sense you know the, the you know the moving forward of of, of athletics and, and sports i mean and especially with, you know, it just not seeming to be a safe pathway any way to, to really do this. I mean, you, you're going to have some casualties in this. And, and so I just don't see it be worth it, I think. And, and next week, we're going to take a good hard look at, you know, the the Rockets as they get ready to leave, I mean, and, and head to Orlando next week. And, uh, you know, and it's just there's so many questions. I mean, hell, they don't even know. If the head coach is going to be able to go at this point because of his age and some of his ailments, so he may not even be able to make the trip. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, that's the case for a couple of them. We also already seen Tabo Safalosha's pull out, Safalosha pull out, and they've signed Bamute to take his place. So, yeah, we've seen that already. And I think, let's say, I think there'll be more shoes that will drop in this situation. So, We'll have to keep an eye out. How can they reach you on social media if they want to reach out and touch you? Just hit me on uh, on Twitter at Terrence Harris uh, on Twitter. Uh, you know, and, and it's that simple. Hit me up there, holler at me. Well, I certainly appreciate it, and we look forward to having uh, talking to you real soon. Take care. Thanks for having me. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade.
Welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Coming up now, our conversation with Butch Allsander. want to remind you first, though, that if you have music you'd like played on the podcast, we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and the entire track at the end of the podcast. And it doesn't matter the genre. We'll play any types of uh, any kind of music. Uh, just hit us up at music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. We ask that it's uh, relatively radio edit. I say that all the time, but, uh, you know, we're family friendly for the most part. My profanity is notwithstanding, but nonetheless, music at wadeswordproductions.com. Uh, also, I want to remind you on the other side of the Butch Allsander conversation, going to get into the Lamont Award for this episode's Big Dummy. But first, here is our conversation with veteran television personality sports broadcaster Butch Allsander. As promised, veteran, sportscaster, uh, analyst, uh, jack of all trades when it comes to sports journalism, Butch Allsander. Butch, how are you? Good to uh, finally have you on the podcast. You doing okay today? Yeah, doing good, doing good, and, and, and glad to be here and listening to you there. I didn't realize I wore that many hats, but yet when I started thinking about it, I mean, he's right. I've been juggling a lot of things lately. So. Yeah, I've been knowing you. What year did you come to Houston? I came to Houston in 93. So I've been knowing you basically since then. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, so that's, what, 20-some-odd years Yeah, yeah we're going on. Yeah, I mean, time uh, flies. I mean, and, you know, I remember the, the old guard, and, uh, you know, you stick around long enough, you become the old guard, I guess, <laughs> which, you know. <laughs> so you started, you came to Houston doing television news, and I want to get into a number of things around sports, but let's talk a little bit about you first. You came here, you were a sports reporter and then sports anchor. What do you miss about that? What did you like most about doing that? Well, you know, there's, man, there's there's a, uh, a lot of things I miss and there's a lot of things I don't miss. When I came to Houston, I came to Houston at a great time. In fact, I should back up just a little bit because I, you know, I played football at McNeese and got a scholarship there and then was lucky enough to start working at the TV station there in Lake Charles at, at KPLC. And it was a great place to start. It really was. But as market sizes go, it was 172, which is one of the smaller markets in the country. So I was, like, extremely blessed. And I don't even know how it happened. But I go from 172 to, like, 21 because I go to Baltimore. I just had a really good agent at the time. And so I got to Baltimore. And then that's really when I got exposed to, like, covering sport, pro sports. We covered the Redskins in a Super Bowl when they played the Buffalo Bills that year. I can't remember what year it was. But, you know, we covered the Bullets all the time, you know, before they became the Wizards. It was the Bullets. And got to, you know, be friendly with guys like Wes Unsell, who recently passed, and, and that kind of thing. And so coming to Houston in 93, you got to imagine now the Oilers, that was the Warren Moon time. So the Oilers were just kind of, you know, they were winning 10 games a year. Every year they're being predicted to make a run to the Super Bowl. The Rockets go ahead and win their championships in 94, 95. And then also right around that time, 95, 90, was when the Astros started becoming a fixture in the playoffs. I mean, it seemed like they were playing the Braves every single year. But if you have to nutshell it to, you know, what I missed, because, um, you know, the last four years there, I was technically the main anchor. I was the main anchor, but I was technically the sports director because you act in that role. But. The one thing I miss, I got to go to the World Series with the Astros in, what was it, when they played the White Sox? What year was that? 2005. That, uh, 2005. 2005, I think that's about right. 
And, you know, that was heartbreaking, not that they played bad, because they were in every one of those games. And that sweep could have very well turned into, you know, a six-game series, a seven-game series. But because they didn't win it, and then to just, you know, see that good team in 2017 and see all the talent they had, and even though I got to go to one or two of the games, it wasn't the same like when you're there covering it. So it wasn't, it wasn't, so I missed that part. You want to ask me to nutshell something that I missed, it would be really not to be a bigger part of the Astros, uh, uh, championship. Well, you know, and also, I mean, it's an interesting thing in that, of course, I've been on radio for 30 years and, and it's, it's a whole different dynamic. You, you on television. So people felt, I mean, you had a, a whole different type of fame just because of your visibility. What did you like most and least about coming into everybody's living room two or three times a, a night? Well, it was a blessing, especially when I took over for gift, you know, those last uh, four years. When you're right, you are basically in, in people's living room, you know, sometimes three, four times a day. And um, they feel like they know you and they, they feel like you're you're part of the family. And, and I got to say, the people of Houston in general have just been so good to me and my family. And uh, I mean, just about everything. And then I, when I first left uh, KHOU, it was hysterical when we would go to a restaurant, the people that would walk up to the table and say, man, we miss you on the broadcast or just kind of going, hey, look, we don't want to disturb your meal, but just want to say how much. And, you know, I, that that was greatly greatly appreciated i mean that really what it was all about for me because you can really come out there and and i wish Devin and, and let me say it this way sometimes you can get and you will realize this too because you're in the same situation with the work sometimes you get so caught up in the work and what you need to do and oh god what i got to do next what do i have to do tomorrow you don't see what's going on around you you know you're not aware of the certain things and i didn't realize you know just me being out there Six and ten years, usually sometimes on the Deborah Duncan show with an appearance, sometimes here or there, how much it meant to other people. And I didn't realize that till after I got out, until people started talking to me and telling me how they felt. And I was, you know, saying to myself, you know, you know, that I, I wish I would have realized that sooner. But the thing about it is you get so caught up in the work, you're meeting deadlines because that's what our business is all about. You go from one deadline to another deadline to another deadline. And you really can't focus on too much anything outside of that. But, you know, the people of Houston have been great to me, and I, and I, just, I appreciate it so much. I want to ask you one more thing about the, the industry, and then well, I want to get into some sports, some present-day sports. You know, it seemed like local sports, I mean, obviously at one point was really, really important, and they gave you guys you know, a little bit longer amount of time each night to present sports. It was much more of a priority. And then that started to shift, and it, it really went through a really bad period here, and it seems like now they're giving these guys a little bit more time. They're giving them more outlets. Obviously, they have more uh, more outlets for content as they go to digital and they go online and all of those things you get caught up in that a little bit because as i recall it seemed like they started to diminish the role of sports across the board in this market and really pay much more uh attention to weather and it seemed like the local guys were getting squeezed out at least on the six and ten o'clock news is that a fair assessment that's a fair assessment i mean when i left i was doing a minute and a half at six in a minute 45 at 10 and it's, it's hard to squeeze a lot into that and um well you know one of my biggest uh, I don't, regret is not the right word but one of my biggest frustrations about the whole thing and i as we said that is first thing that popped into my mind so it's still frustrating to me now to even understand how it happens and you know you're the 
main sports anchor, and you're st- standing out at uh, Minute Maid Park on the night Craig Biggio gets his 3,000 hit, and you're ready to go on, and they're thinking you're going to leave the newscast, and then they go to a news reporter who's got fans talking about the 3,000 hit, and they show the three. And so by the time they get to you, I, you know, I still to this day don't understand that. I mean, I, I'm, that's why I guess that's why I'm not a news director. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand that. You know, it's a sports accomplishment. Not only is it a sports accomplishment, but it's one of the greatest sports accomplishments. I mean, that it's, it's basically the thing that sealed the deal for Craig in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so it was a huge thing. And, and we just um, came up on the anniversary I'm, of that, by the way. Over the oh, last yeah, few yeah. days, it was a, within the last week, it, the anniversary of his 3,000 hit uh, has come up. And I know this because of Twitter. <laughs> I don't have a <laughs> photographic memory about those stats, but yeah. Well, and uh, it, it, it's not something that I, I, I like said on and kept my mouth closed about it. I spoke to the news director about it the next day. And, he, and after he retrospect, you know, he said, you know what? I agree with you. He said, we just, we just blew that one. And, you know, and, that, and I appreciated that because you don't have many of those guys that are willing to say something like that. You know, and it's not like he was in the control booth at the time doing that. But that was one of the things that, that kind of goes along the line where you're talking about where you're so limited with what you can do. But now it's like you were saying, it's, it just it doesn't have the same. I have no idea how much time they get. Well, I don't because think right they. Now, today, yeah, I don't think they get a lot more time on the news per se, but they they're given like the sports extras and the the, exactly. the the Sunday night shows, and I'm sure that they have some digital content that gives them an opportunity to to uh, present more work. But like like I said, I don't know how much has really changed on, on the ten o'clock news at this point. Well, but the great thing about it is, social media is blowing up. So much. I mean, that is such an avenue to get some of that. You know, Randy McElvoy does a really good job with that, you know, getting a lot of stuff out on social media. And, and a lot of, you know, I mean, a lot of this stuff is already out there way before the 6 o'clock news now. So if you got a smartphone, I mean, you know, you're, you're already hooked up with it. Yeah, you're plugged in with information. I think the, the strength is the ability to get to know our local sports guys on television. And and that's a more difficult feat these days too, because the athletes are so much more guarded and they're so much more protected by the organizations. I mean, it's not a lot coming out of the Texans organization that they don't want to uh, have a hand in. I think the thing that local sports could do a little bit better, they're not, it's it's much more difficult these days with the, the climate uh, in and around relationships with athletes and organizations. Yeah. And, and that does, that's not going to happen now unless you have a, a personal relationship with somebody. And then even that's only going to take you so far because if you have a personal relationship with somebody, you're not technically are going to want to burn that personal relationship, you know, and, you know, and I, I know reporters who that that's in the back of their mind, whether they say it or not, it is in the back of their minds. But you're right. You know, now the situation is so guarded. And then when you throw in the COVID-19 situation, it's going to be even more guarded than that because your access is going to be even stripped down even more. Yeah. And, and speaking of which, and that's a great transition. Well, first and foremost, you once you left KHOU, you went on and now you've been doing uh, you've been doing AT&T. You've been doing studio shows for the Astros Rockets. Uh, you've done uh, college football and I'm sure what else? Am I missing something else? I mean, you do a little bit of everything these days. How is it? post uh television days as far as uh, you know the day in and day out grind of being on a, a local sportscast well it's it, it's um the truth of it is if i would be totally honest 
it took me probably about, and I didn't even realize this, but it took me about eight or nine months before I realized, you know, that I was completely burned out and I was recovering. And I, I didn't really get that. I could, I, cause I had talked to, uh, Charles McClellan, who was the uh, athletic director at Texas Southern at the time, right after I left, and Charles and I have been friends for many years, and, you know, from me covering the Tigers, and I had talked to him about doing some work uh, at TSU, you know, some play-by-play work on TV and stuff like that, and he brought it up, and I I told him that the first time we talked about it, I said, Charles, I really can't do it right now. You know, and I didn't realize how much I was burned out, but I just, you know, for basically that eight- to nine-month period, I didn't do much of anything. Did some volunteering around Houston, you know, volunteered at the Lighthouse of Houston, uh, the home for the blind and visually impaired, and I did some stuff with them and some other organizations during that time and um, kind of got my win back. And then Charles and I revisited, and lo and behold, I mean, you know, we, he got a great deal working between Texas Southern and AT&T Sportsnet. And then, you know, uh, as a lot of people know, uh, Dr. McClellan moved on to become the uh, – commissioner of the SWAC conference. Yeah, just and, uh, uh, visited with him uh, recently. Yeah, and, and he's doing a terrific job there, but he also brought me along with that and kind of, you know, uh, you know, the situation where, you know, I've been for the last, I guess, two or three years, kind of like the voice of the SWAC. I've done a little five-game package for them on ESPN. I've done a series for Louisiana Tech in Ruston, which is the Sun Belt, and uh, I'm sorry, Southland Conference, the Southland Conference. The, the conference <laughs> right, <laughs> the right house, not the Southland Conference. I've worked to do some games for the Southland Conference, too. And, you know, I've been all over the place with that, Devin. And that's what's been fun about that, you know, and, and having played at McNeese. I, I didn't do any of their games last year, but the year before I did play-by-play for one of their games. So it's kind of like, you know, lately I've been keeping my hand in everything and uh, doing the fill-in work at AT&T, you know, working with guys like Kevin and Julia and, you know, Mike Stanton and, of course, Calvin Murphy. I mean, Calvin is, you know, it is as you would imagine, it is so much fun sitting down there with Calvin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's a one-man band. He doesn't, you know, you just along, I would imagine just along for the ride with him. I guess you have to rein him in a little bit from time to time. Well, but... the, the first time I sat down there, he didn't even know I was hosting the show. <laughs> he saw me and we were talking and we were just kind of shooting the bull a little bit and I sat down behind the desk and stuff and he goes, Butch, you're doing the show? Oh, oh my God. And I'm like, Calvin, what what can I do to make you comfortable? And he looked at me in typical Calvin fashion. He said, just show me the way, my brother. I will follow you every step of the way. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, yeah. We had a blast. Yeah, so like I said, so you're not a stranger to us. And what's weird is that we'll be doing the same games, and because you're you're doing television, you'll be up top of BBVA Compass Stadium. And, of course, on our level, on radio level, we never come across one another during the court. And we're calling the same game. I mean, I'm doing color for, oh, for radio, yeah. So that, that's, that's how very was, odd. Yeah, yeah. And so I had a chance to do some basketball this year as well uh, for Texas Southern, which I hadn't done. I just fill in for Chatterbox uh, whenever he he can't make it for one reason or another. But as we uh, – I mean, as it stands, do you think we – how do you think the resumption of sports will take place as we get a little bit closer to certain deadlines in baseball and and basketball and even the NFL, what do you what's your take on COVID and sports in 2020? Well, and you know I'm gonna get to that in one second, but I just want to comment on something you just said because I I need to mention uh, I think it was two years ago how much I enjoyed doing Texas Southern basketball. Cynthia Cooper, yeah, was the uh, color 
color person and I got to do play by play and we did like 20 games and uh, it was, it was great. I mean, it was really a lot of fun. And I, you said basketball it made me think about that. I want to mention Coop. Of course, she's back as the coach now and, and doing a really good job with that. But uh, as far as sports kicking off, man, I, you know, I, like everybody else, I hope it goes well, but straight up, I, I, I don't know how it can go well. You know, I, I hope it does. But you look at this situation, you know, you have, for instance, you already have the MLS already in Orlando at the Disney Complex. And I think it was yesterday, FC Dallas came up with nine players testing positive for the virus already. Wow. wow. Um, there was something like, uh, last night, something like six more NBA players testing positive. They're up to 25 uh, in the NBA now. Yeah. Cephalosha said he, for the Rockets, you know, he bugged out, said uh, he won't be going, talked to his family about it, and, um, you know, he had been having a lot of anxiety about it, a little, you know, kind of, and at this point he's just so uneasy about it. He said, I know we're down there in the bubble and all this stuff, but he said, I just, I'm not comfortable with it. So the Rockets have replaced him on the roster. But that's the kind of thing you have going on. And it's not going to go away. The virus is still going to going to be there. The problem becomes is not only do you want to keep people healthy and, and keep them in an environment that's a safe environment, but then it gets back to whether you're it's a true competition or not. And by that, what I'm saying is, I mean, is this something that we're doing where you're just coming back to come back to try to restore some normalcy? Because what I mean is that James Harden gets the virus and has to be quarantined for 14 days. Let's say he's sick for a week, has to be quarantined for 14 days. You know, as good as West is, it's probably going to be done for the Rockets. And the same thing if it happens to LeBron or somebody else. I mean, I don't know. You know, they're putting into these these protocols in, in, into effect. And uh, I spoke a few weeks ago to a couple of the commissioners of the conferences that I do college football in play-by-play for, and, and they were all – planning to go ahead as schedule. They're going to put in a protocol. They're going to, going to have weekly testing, consistent testing. They're going to have to bring in a protocol to put people in isolation. So, I mean, there's so much stuff that has to be done. And, um, and like I said, you got to put safety first. That has to be the main thing. You want people to be healthy and, and to be safe. So I, I just think anything could happen. You know, it's not like they're going to start. The season's going to roll on. I think when it's the NBA at the end of the month, they're supposed to crank up the, the, the first game. We're just going to have to see, and, you, and you, you just, you know, hope it works out the way everybody thinks it works out. Now, I like the idea of those guys being basically quarantined down there because then you're eliminating a lot of these outside variances. Uh, Except for the fact but, that the staff, the support staff, as far as the hotel and, and on the facility folks, they can come and go, and and then they will have at least limited contact with the players. I mean, you know, so the, the holes like it's a piece of Swiss cheese, little holes here and there in in what is supposed to be this sealed off bubble. From what I've come to understand about the procedures in place, well, and that that's what's going on right now. You could broaden that out from sports to the entire country. You know, it it depends on you because what you're saying is exactly right. It depends on people doing what they need to do to flatten that curve and push this virus down. And and what we saw over Memorial Day was there weren't a lot of people doing what they were supposed to do technically. I mean, people were out there like, you know, okay, it's done. We're all done. And the next thing you know, Texas is a hot spot. So, you know, if the people that are 
have the ability to leave the complex, to leave out of the bubble, I mean, they're really going to have to count on those guys to uh, – got a lot of responsibility on their shoulders. And especially with uh, Florida, just like Texas and Arizona and California, being a real hotbed. And, and I think Florida's catching it the worst uh, these days with, I mean, thousands and thousands of folks testing positive each day. I want to ask you about the college football. It seems – in the NFL, too, for that matter, it seems like they're just their heads are buried and they're just plowing forward. And I, and I don't know if that's just in language or do they really intend to sort of ignore the, the, the their surroundings medically and otherwise? Part of it, I think they're just saying what they feel like they need to say here. College is a lot different than the pros from the standpoint of you're dealing with college kids, you're dealing, dealing with student athletes. If school's not in session, can you really have a football season? Technically, the school's not even open. Some of the small, like I said, the commissioners in the smaller conferences have told me, some of them, saying, well, we really can't play if we don't have seats in the, uh, you know, those seats filled in the stands. Because it's not like the top five conferences that have the big TV contracts where it doesn't even matter if they have anybody there. They can still make their money. So it's a little different kind of thing. But I think there is a certain amount of lip service going on and they're putting a, a positive face on all of this stuff because nobody really knows what's going to happen. I mean, you, you know, we're all hoping that it works out the way it's supposed to work out. You know, there's a lot of money on the line for, for, for a lot of people. You know, I mean, there's a lot of just like these restaurants and all these businesses around town, the gyms and all these places that are hurting people like you and I who make our living counting on these games being played. It's going to affect everybody if, if something happens. So, the fact that they're trying to do this, I think it's important that they're trying to do it in a, a safe way, that they're taking everybody's, uh, all these health concerns extremely serious. But again, like I said, if, I, if I'm going to talk realistically, you're looking at this thing, man, and you think, oh, boy, there's a lot of things that might not work out. And you, you, you just, you know, you hope it doesn't work that way, that something can happen. You know, I'm not expecting them to have a vaccine tomorrow, but maybe... They're trying to encourage more and more people to wear masks in public. Which that has become a, a lightning rod in, in political circles, which is crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> that shouldn't be political. That, there's, there's nothing political about that. That should not be a political thing. I mean, it doesn't hurt anything because, you know, you could protect yourself, but you're definitely protecting somebody else. And the other thing you need to look at is when you look at the graphs, I saw some of this yesterday. When you look at what has happened in some of the European countries, that curve has been almost completely flattened. Some of these countries who were having, like Italy, who was having, they were having a lot of issues. And then now, all of a sudden, you know, they're doing so bad and we're getting all these spikes. So it just sounds like, well, maybe we're not taking care of our business the way we're supposed to be taking care of our business with this. Because yeah. it's a serious thing. And I just, I, 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 I kind of don't, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, the, the senior citizens need to stay in the house and let them, you know what, you know, you know, it's, it's fine and dandy to say all that stuff until it affects your grandparents or your parents or, you know, your mom or your dad or your sister or your brother. Now all of a sudden it becomes an entirely different thing because you mentioned earlier, you didn't really know anybody who had it. You know, unfortunately there, there's, several people that I know that have had it and it's not all been good. There's a young man that I used to work with at 11 and his wife passed away from it. And uh, he had it also. And he had to, so they had a lot to deal with. There's a guy that I knew when I played ball in college, he played at LSU. I think he was drafted by uh, the Broncos, Orlando McDaniels. He was, you know, uh, he passed away from it. So 
I mean, it, it just, to me, it's just not, and like I said, if it doesn't affect you, I guess you don't really see it that way, but I see it differently, and, you know, and I, you know, I try to take it seriously. Well, and, and the, uh, the, key, the, the, the thing that I keep mentioning is that, first of all, there are a ton of people with quote-unquote pre-existing conditions, whether it's being overweight, whether it's being having asthma like me, or people with bad allergies. I mean, that could it could really get funky. And then not only that, if you... Who wants to sign up to spend a, a day or two or, or three in the hospital or just severely ill? Because, again, from the uh, the accounts I've heard, like people, this is not the flu. This is a lot worse than the flu, even if you do recover in a couple of days. So it just seems like we're not, we, I don't know what, why we're being so defiant about something that is so simple to do. Because then I, I tell all my sports listeners, if we do this now, we can have these seasons. If the exactly. you know, and so if people sacrifice now, we can have uh, the NBA and the NFL and college football. It starts with us. It, it does start with us, and the thing about it is, it's not a political issue. It's a health issue, and it's an American issue because it's happening here. Politics shouldn't be any, have anything to do with this. It should not have a single thing to do with this. And and I'm not a fan. And I say this as when it comes to. Republicans and Democrats, and you talk about these guys on the national stage, they can all go to hell. I mean, I'm not a fan of any of those guys. I think they're, they're, I've never seen a more gutless group of politicians rolled into one. And you talk about the type of um, politics has always been that bare-knuckle, just dirty type thing. But the, to, to have people now who are supposed to be there to work for the interest of the American people. And I say Democrats and Republicans when I say this. They're supposed to be working for the interests of the American people. And they're so afraid to lose their jobs that they won't do their jobs. And it's so frustrating. You know, I've kind of tried to limit my news take now because you watch these guys and you just don't understand it. Literally, the only thing they're concerned about is keeping their power and getting reelected and reelected again. Well, yeah. and, and that's pretty sad. And not only that, yeah. I mean if I mean we can go next level with you talk about gerrymandering where they can do just about anything they want and they're so insulated and protected in their given districts that it, you know they're not hurting either way. Uh so I mean it, it's there are levels to it. And, I, I, go ahead. I, I, should, I should say real real quickly that all those comments I said do not reflect on Devin Wade at all. Do I mean, not. you can say what you want. That, that's what, that's the beauty <laughs> of a podcast. <laughs> and not only that, wait a minute. I have said so much that there's nothing you know, like they know how I feel. <laughs> so, so I'm not afraid. And, and I think, of, of course, and this is why you create the format of a podcast. H- have you thought about venturing into to podcasting or something where you can get your opinion out uh, directly to the people uncut and unfiltered, uh, so to speak? No, I have. I have. And, and I, I think we're going to do that. I've talked to a couple of people recently, and uh, I talked about it last year sometimes, but we're more serious about it now, and I, I think we're going to get something going. Because you're right, there's so many things going on today, and, and even though we don't have sports per se, you know, it's so much intermixed in just basically everyday life now. Everything that's going on, you don't have to have a conversation just about sports. You know, we're talking about the virus. We're talking about sports. You know, we're talking about politics. I mean, you know, there's just, you know, you just get up here and you have a conversation. 
and that's what it's about. Yeah, and I think, and the the wonderful thing about it is, like I said, with with it being on demand. I mean, like there's enough room to listen to to, to Butch and Devin and to whoever you know the ten other people you want. Especially, like I said, you know, in Houston traffic, you got plenty of time to listen to podcasts. And, and we found that we have listeners all over the the country, and, and we've had listeners all over the world. So it's a it's a mind boggling thing when you think about it. But before I let you get out of here, I do want to ask you about some competition things. Back to the NBA. The NBA to me is like an NBA cup, and whatever happens is not indicative of what would have happened had the season had its natural progression. I think had the season had its natural progression, you're looking at LA, uh, the the Clippers versus the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, and that would be the 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 real NBA championship before facing somebody in the East. Now. I don't even think you should call them a champ in that way because you talk about the mental component of being locked up for months in this bubble. If you stay in the bubble, there are guys who are not going to play. We've seen that uh, for the Lakers. Avery Bradley's not playing. Dwight Howard seems to be on the fence, but it looks like he's going to go. I mean, it's not indicative of what really would have happened. And God forbid somebody gets sick for 14 days. Uh, What's your take on crowning a quote-unquote NBA champ in this format? Well, you know what's going to happen with that? It's going to be just like the Rockets in 94. Fair, unfair, whatever. It wasn't fair. But everybody says, okay, Rockets champion in 94, but Jordan was gone. I mean, they all, that, they're always mentioned in that conversation. So you talk about 2020, it's going to be the year of the virus. So basically, they're going to throw it out as far as you can. You look at Major League Baseball playing 60 games. You know, what happens if you have a guy who hits over 400? I mean, okay. Great. I mean, Jose Altuve is, is a candidate to do that. I mean, he, he, the way he cranks out the hits, but will that be the same as a guy hitting 400 over 162 games? You know, no. <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's not. So, But you're going to have these records, and everybody is going to have to put it in the right perspective, and that's how they're going to do it. They're going to say, okay, either the Sixers and Simmons were the NBA champions in 2020. That was the year of the virus. Remember, cut-down season. They went down to Florida, you know, so it's always going to have an asterisk next to it, I think. You know, it's just it can, when you compare it to what – because there's nothing that's normal about it. So how can you compare it to the normal seasons? You're right. And, and like I said, it'll be interesting to see. And finally, with the Astros, I mean, obviously so many variables. Uh, I do worry about some of the older coaches in baseball and, and basketball too, for that matter. Uh, how do you see – do you think uh, they, they'll be able to move forward? Because they're not going to be in a bubble. They're going to travel city to city. How do you think that will uh, that will look as, as they try to proceed with a 60-game schedule? Yeah, time time will tell, you know, because if you start coming down into a situation – and, and what scares me about that is, you know, we mentioned before the MLS situation with all these guys coming down with the virus, and they're – in a, for the most part, a controlled environment. And you mentioned um, baseball is not going to be in that. I mean, Jim Crane was it last week said that the goal is to eventually have some fans in the stands at, at some point. So maybe if, if that's a pipe dream. <laughs> well, maybe if, if what you said earlier, if, if we as citizens start doing our job to quell this virus, to get things under control, maybe that is a, a possibility somewhere down the line. But it, it, it is going to make it. Now, some of the things that makes it more helpful is the fact that these guys fly on private charters. It's not like they're on uh, regular flights, you know, so they're not being exposed to that type of environment. But they're still going to hotels. You know, you still. So I, we're just going to have to wait and see. This is so, so different than anything that we've ever 
experienced before. I mean, it's just completely uh, experienced. You got some of these NBA guys, some of them had to come back from, from Europe to play, so they had to be quarantined for 14 days. I, I mean, there's so much stuff going on with this that it's just kind of, it's crazy. And come back, and if you want, you were talking about basically whether or not the competition is going to be, uh, you're going to see, what, he, what do they have, eight games before they decide the playoffs? Yeah, in basketball, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They, they, yeah. So, something like that. So that's going to go a long way to, to shaking out who's going to play who. But I, I look at a team like the Rockets. I was on a, a, another uh, show recently, and they asked me about, well, well, I guess it was an AT&T interview we did. That's correct for the uh, – and they were asking whether or not uh, I think the Rockets are going to come back with a small ball and they're going to – you know, right now I think everything's off the table. Because of their roster, they're going to be limited as to what they can do along those lines. But now it's all different. You know, you, it depends on who you're playing, who they have that's available, what can we do differently that's going to win that night. I don't think anybody's going to be locked into a set philosophy. It's going to be who's on the other side. What are they? What do they have out there? What are they able to do that they're successful with? And then we, you know, you just, you know, it's kind of like when you're in the NCAA tournament. You know, you you play a game, you have a day off where your coaches go over the game plan, you give it to your players, you go out and play the next day. You play that Wednesday, then you play again on Friday. It's going to be kind of like that. And so I don't think it's going to be. It really matters what kind of philosophy you know you have. I think that could all just get blown up depending on what the situation is and what the teams have that you that you face. I think a couple things that we aren't really counting yet is that the uh, the lack of crowd uh, of a crowd and how I, I don't know. I think basketball guys have been playing basketball on you know on courts without fans for years. So I think that that may not factor in, but I do think just being sequestered in, in that in that environment away from your ability to decompress and, you know, certain guys I would imagine have certain habits that they won't be able to indulge in. I mean, I think that the mental, <laughs> the mental portion of that may play into it a lot more than people think. Yeah, no, it, it will. And then some people, you know, you, you get hyped up by the crowd. You get there, and then sometimes, you know, that, that, that uh, two minutes to go in the ball game, you're sucking wind, and the crowd gets up, and you get up in that into that environment. So that's a different kind of thing. But then you look at, you know, I'm sure you watched the last dance, just like the rest of us, and you look at a guy like Jordan, and Jordan, and it was nowhere was it more evident than in the last dance. And he's showing how, because he was so good and so forth, he had to come up with these things to pump himself up. I mean, he would basically create a slight or create this or create that, you know, just so he could get pumped up about, you know, uh, facing somebody. And, 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 and now, like you were saying before, it may in some ways become more of a mental game. You may have to start doing these mental tricks with yourself just to kind of, you know, force yourself to do it. But I, I think we're going to see, uh, and then there was the guy in baseball, uh, what was his name from the Rockies, the outfielder, who also said that he wasn't going just because, you know, basically there's so much going on. Now, COVID, you know, the, 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 the country, the marches, so much of this stuff, he just wasn't comfortable going in there trying to do this under under these situations. Yeah, that, and that's another component I think that, uh, that may wane on, especially if something else happens while these guys are in the bubble and then they don't feel like they're a part of it. I mean, and obviously that's a oh. yeah, that's a whole discussion onto itself, which is really fascinating um, when you think about it. Let me, let me ask you one, one quick question though, before we get out of here. I just want to know, what do you think about Cam and Bill Belichick being together now? 
Well, you know what? I think that, again, uh, Belichick, I think he probably wanted him the whole time and played this just right. Uh, I think what yeah, hurt – Let the price go down. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, you, you let everybody kind of downplay Cam and it looks like, oh, well, maybe he'll sit out for a season. First, I don't – I wonder if he'll ever play for the Patriots if, under this one-year deal if there's not – a sustained season or I don't you don't know how that's going to play out they've already canceled two preseason games the other component to that is uh, I think what hurt Cam essentially was not being able to travel and let these organizations see him maybe work him out um, because he is coming off a major injury but that being said I think that this is a fantastic I think they'll fare better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really do. I think that this is a a great fit for both of those guys because I, at the end of the day, they, Cam gets a lot of flag for really minor things, things that you wouldn't necessarily want from a starting quarterback person. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff that really has nothing to do with game preparation. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that it goes, if you think about it, he, he hasn't for, for many years had – a lot of offensive components to help him. He did have Steve Smith, uh, you know, for a while, for a few years there, but he hadn't had marquee receivers. He, I mean, McCaffrey just came. So he, and he, you know, he had the steward in the backfield. He had a decent running game, but he hadn't had like a, and not not to say that Brady did, but Brady has the greatest coach probably in the history of, of pro football. But, you know, Cam hadn't had a, a stock, and he won't have one here in New England either. But I think, again, you're, you're playing with uh, probably the best coach to ever do it in Bill Belichick. So it's going to be fun to watch if it happens. And, and you know, the more, the more you start to see these highlights and stuff, I start to, it's that time of year. You know, in this part of the world, when you start to smell that grass burning, you know it's time for two days. <laughs> you know, so oh yeah, getting a little antsy here. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think we have to stay, uh, we have to stay safe because God forbid something happens to a student athlete or a professional athlete that could have been prevented, uh, but taking that chance may have cost somebody a career or or even worse. So you know. Scary times. That has to be taken into consideration with student-athletes. You're 100% right because everybody's going to say, well, if they weren't there in the first place, this wouldn't have happened. So Right. And before we get out of here, how can folks reach you on social media if, if you want to put that out there? And uh, where can folks see you next? I guess well, that's sort of uncertain now with the with what's going on in the sports, on yeah. the sports landscape. Yeah. How can folks reach out to you so, if they like to? Yeah, I'm on uh, uh, Instagram, at Butch Alcindor, my last name, A-L-S-A-N-D-O-R. And then I'm on Facebook. I mean, it's easy, but under my name, too. So it's so even to find me there. And Twitter is the same thing. It's at Butch Alcindor on Twitter. So I try to keep up with the sports media aspect of it. And uh, hopefully this will work out to where they get some of these games, uh, you know, broadcast to where we can kind of get back to, going to work here and seeing how things going to work out, not only with the Rockets and the Astros, but with the college football season too. So, Well, like it, it was a great opportunity to visit with you for the first time. And maybe as we get more active, we can have visits where we can really talk about, I mean, although I love talking about anything, but yeah, we could talk about what's happening on the fields of play. Uh, we certainly would love to have you back at some point. Oh, thank you, Devin. Enjoyed it, man. You you covered a lot of ground today. I don't know if you can do better than that. You covered a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, we move fast. <laughs> That's sort of my scattered thinking, I think. That's what I, you know, so I blame it on that. But I certainly appreciate it. I enjoyed it. A lot of fun, man. 
want to thank our guy Butch Allsander, and we look forward to visiting with him again. And uh, that is when and if sports <laughs> resume. We will get his sports takes down the line. So we look forward to that. But now it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. And this time out, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, sometimes we we eagerly give these out. Can't wait. We pounce on the opportunity to give these out. Other times, you hate to give them to the person because you like them for other reasons. But this time out, I'm giving it to a guy who is probably one of the top five all-time college running backs. At one time, it was pretty much, I mean, he's always been in the top two or three. And now maybe five, maybe certainly top ten, but maybe the top five all-time college running backs. We're talking about a guy who is not a an example of intellect, but nonetheless a tremendous football player, Herschel Walker. Now, of course, around these parts, Herschel is appreciated for all that the Dallas Cowboys got for trading him to the Minnesota Vikings. He essentially helped build that dynasty with Aikman, Emmett, and uh, Michael Irvin. He, because of the trade, and, and that's well documented. You know the history of that. Well, this time out, and let's say this. Let me say this. Herschel's had some problems. He's had like problems where he. As I recall, now I didn't delve into it, but I remember him saying that he had lost all his memory. Uh, he sort of alluded to CTE, but whatever he's done, he's had some problems, and they surfaced in some of these comments he made recently. I'm going to play the clip, and then I think you'll understand why he is the Lamont Award recipient of the podcast. And then I was listening to a BLM. Uh, protester who's speaking for the black people. And I said, wait a minute, he don't speak for me. He don't speak for a lot of other people that I know. And I was watching all the people that wanted to take over a city block and, and not just black, that was Caucasian. That was all types of race there. And I said, wait a minute, they don't speak for the people I know. Why is these, com- these companies giving money to these groups for what? Where's my freedom? Where's my freedom that I don't want to tear down statues? I don't want to uh, defund the police. I don't want to uh, riot and tear people's stores up. I want to do it the right way. So Congress, senators, where is my freedom to speak? If you're a leaker and you decide to leak information that's not true, isn't that like shouting fire in a crowded building that you need to be punished? Oh, Lord. Oh, my Lord. Let me start with an introduction. Herschel Walker, let me introduce you to a history book <laughs> so you can read some stuff. Because obviously you're not you, – there's a number of things that you don't understand. I don't know where you – you get your news on Quibi. Like, where, where are you getting your news? So you are equating the the hundreds, hundreds of protests around the country, which, which continue to this day with the riot, some of the rioting you saw early on by groups who we know have infiltrated some of these peaceful protests. We know this. There's evidence. We've seen this. Some of these folks have been arrested and prosecuted. Police are looking for others. So we know that the protesters are different from the rioters, but that's a common 
that's not a mistake. That's on purpose. People lump those two things together. They lump protesters in with the rioters so that that way they don't have to validate the cause for which the people were marching in the first place. Because, oh, if God forbid you break a window or people loot, if you have thousands and thousands of people and you have a dozen or so or maybe more than that go in and loot, oh, then we don't have to listen to anything that they say. First of all, Black Lives Matter is not a monolithic no, no group, one group speaks for all black people, not even the NAACP. No one black person, no one, one black organization speaks for all black people. So we're not a monolith. So so you, we can take that out. And these corporations are donating millions and millions of dollars not to people for people to protest. Come on, you know better than that. Maybe you don't. But they're not giving money. They're giving money to causes that will foster a fight against racial inequality and racial injustice. These companies are not giving money to defund the police and then you don't even understand I, I would hate to have to sit down and take the weeks it would take to explain to him the nuances between defunding the police and eliminating the police departments that the nuances there you have some people on the extreme end and say oh no let's get rid of all police but 99 percent of people are not for uh, totally eliminating the police they're talking about restructuring how the government serves a community with stuff like uh, sort of uh mental health assistance stuff like like, uh, you know, employment outreach, some of these preventative things, early education, some of the things uh, after school programs, some of the things that will nip the problem in the bud so these don't become police problems. But you don't understand that. And it will take a long, long time for me to explain it to you. Second of all, you talk about you don't want to tear down the statues. Now, what statues are you fighting for? I mean, like, I mean, I know you from Georgia, but like, who are you? Are you Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson? Are, are these are the are these the people? These are the statues you're fighting for. Those are the things that you want to advocate for, and you have no understanding that these statues were erected post Reconstruction, where white Southerners wanted to uh, rewrite the narrative of what the Civil War was really about and celebrate, uh, essentially, despite the fact that they lost, despite the fact that they were on the wrong side of history that they wanted to celebrate white power and white culture so, but that's not what we're talking about that, that's the, are those the same statues that you're fighting for because I'm, I'm clearly not understanding what you're talking about and then you talk about freedom of speech you know where's your freedom of, you you just exercise your freedom of speech now cancel culture is different for me to say you're a dumb and we should cancel anything that Herschel Walker says is different from freedom of speech. You are free to say what you want. You are free to sound like a dumb <laughs> You are free to get a Lamont Award. And that's exactly what you've done because you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> and that last part, I just don't know what that was about. What? Huh? What? What? <laughs> screaming, screaming fire in a in a movie theater. What? If if you leak bad information, who are you trying to appease? Are you looking? Are you doing something for Trump? Is this what this is? You is the cry for Trump to come get you and put you somewhere and give you a paycheck? I, I don't know what that's about. If you leak information, false. Wait a minute. So now you're gonna have a litmus test for the truth for people who leak but not for the guy who lies every single day. Okay, I mean, have it your way. You said what you wanted to say. I don't speak for you, you don't speak for me. No one black group is, is we're not a monolith, we, we get it. Uh, so and you said what you want to say and I've given you a Lamont Award for your effort. But with that, before I let go. Before I let go.
before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for listening. Want to thank uh, Terrence Harris. Want to thank our guy Butch Alsander. Want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Want to remind you guys, go to the WadesWordProductions.com website and uh, sign up for the email list. In addition to that, the sports line, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.